Chapter 20 of Joaquin, the Claude Duval of California. This is the LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Tatiana Chichilla. Joaquin, the Claude Duval of California, or the Marauder of the Mines, a romance founded on truth by Henry L. Williams. Chapter 20. Savalio's Adventures. The Attack. Arkansas's Defeat. Ranging the Battlefield. Rivalry. A few days after we quitted Red Bluffs, said Savalio, who was at his fourth bottle, we reached Shasta, where we had the luck of meeting a train of mules carrying gold. We stopped at a couple of miles from the town, took the treasure and the back trail to Red Bluffs, each of us carrying twelve pounds of the spoil. You may believe that we did not let the grass grow under our feet on the road to headquarters. The men whose goods we had taken were miners, and we expected on that account to be pursued very quickly. As we were finishing supper in Pedro's eating house and about to be off, Pedro warned us that we were watched, and that if we did not make haste to flee without being seen, we would run the risk of being hanged, if only by suspicion. There was nothing tempting in such a prospect, so we hurried to clear off, but separately and in different directions, our general rendezvous to be Oroville. A numerous set of Germans, French, and Yankees were at our heels, and we only gave them the slip at Downeyville. To make up for that, we gave chase to four Americans in the valley of Lake Way, and, catching them there, we left them life in exchange for their money. It was in returning from the lake that we were attacked by the Feather River miners. Two of our men were slain outright, while the enemy had five knocked over. My two here and myself got off, as you know. We remained three days in the brush, eating and drinking nothing for the very reason that we were out of all necessaries, and then we risked going out to make for Sonora Pass. Ten miles or so out of Downeyville, we buried the gold, ran off a horse apiece, and here we are. There is nothing very gay in that report, observed Joaquin but we must expect to turn up a low card once in a while. Pass around the bottle, comrades, and let's have a lively time of it while we may. Yes, yes, Captain, you are right, said Savalio. I agree with you there. Lopez, my friend, let's have a bottle or two, for by all the saints and saintesses in paradise, I'm weak as water yet. The gallop along the precipices does play a man out, I tell you. Along the precipices, echoed Antonio. Did you lose the way? Not at all, but we took the worst way by the highlands to give the pursuers a bellyful of rack-riding. So you were chased, eh? Come, Savalio, explain in the fiend's name. What, didn't I tell you all about it? The Yankees were behind us when we dashed through the pass by Lake Mono. They rushed us into the mountains, and when we threw them off the track, I don't believe they were more than five miles from us. The deuce! exclaimed the chief, springing instantly to his feet. This is serious! If only that little bit divided you, they'll only need the glimmer of our big fire here to show them the rest of the road. Hush, interrupted Valenzuela suddenly. That sound can only be spurs jingling on the rocks. Still. All listened. I hear too, said Murieta, drawing his revolver. Up, comrades, to arms. Antonio, take thirty or forty men and place them on the rocks commanding the left side of the pass. I'll see to the right with the rest. Come on, men, but softly for we must not leave one of the spoil sports to tell the tale. The bandits, faithful to the recommendation just given, followed their respective leaders and noiselessly ascended the piles of stone overlooking the entrance. Each did his best to hide his advance by the ruggedness of the ground. Meanwhile, the sound of steps approaching became more and more distinct. Every now and then there was to be heard a savage imprecation of some of the storming party who had stumbled or slipped on the moss. They came into view but slowly on account of the labor required by the advance. About twenty feet below the place where Joaquin awaited, the tall, stalwart form of Arkansas rose up, leading no less than forty rough-looking men armed to the teeth. "'Deuce take me if I fancy this location,' growled Arkansas. 
He had barely spoken, then from every split in the rocky wall before them, a jet of fire issued, and the air was filled with smoke and shook with the crash of sixty or seventy shots. Half that number of the assailants dropped dead or fell back desperately injured. "'Up! Up the rock!' cried Arkansas, whose hat had been blown heaven knows where. "'Away you go! Hands and teeth! It's the only chance, boys! Close in!' The survivors did begin to climb the rampart sheltering the banditti, but the one or two who did contrive to mount pretty high had only the greater distance to fall. A second discharge, no less deadly than the former, made the wall tremble, and down dropped the attacking party, dying or dead. Some of the robbers ran instantly to camp and returned with torches. Then the scene appeared in all its horror. Nothing could be more frightful than the livid countenances illumined by the flickering and ruddy glare of the resinous brands. Joaquin himself could not remain long before such a sight. He hastened away to see no more of the awful eyes staring in death. His men, who were less impressionable, removed the valuables and weapons of the defeated, while taking heed to finish those who still breathed. The most indefatigable in this latter task was the vindictive Savalio, who seemed to have conceived the idea of out-heriting Three-Fingered Jack. The latter, as if that idea had struck him, kept watching him all the time, his piercing sight, rendered more horrible than usual by an accompanying smile of hideousness, followed every movement of his companion. Jack seemed to be finding pleasure in seeing the latter cutting off the heads of the corpses or churning his dagger in the bodies. "'By the soul of Padre Horata,' swore Garcia. "'This night you've robbed me of half my fun, Senor Savaglio, but it doesn't matter so long as you do not become too formidable a rival. When that happens, look out for snakes, old fellow.' As he swung in air his flambeau to make it burn better, the light flooded both their faces, while Jack darted Savaglio a glance, half in sardonic sport, half in earnest before he went off to examine more of the fallen with the eagerness of hunting up an acquaintance. All the other desperados had gone back to the encampment, so that Garcia was alone in his bloodthirstiness on the battlefield. Holding the torch in one hand and in the other his knife, he tranquilly pursued his scrutiny, lowering the light every few moments to take a closer look at a blood-bespattered visage, when a noise made him glance around and see Savalio once more. "'Oh, you, is it?' growled Jack. "'I thought it was a grizzly who had smelt out the banquet.' "'What keeps you here?' inquired the other with a grin. "'Somebody not to be found, I'm afraid.' "'Whom?' "'Why, the leader of these fools who ran their heads into the lion's jaws. "'If he's got off this time, I'll have to believe the devil is his friend.' "'The leader of these cursed Yankees is a prisoner in the camp along with one other. "'Caramba, who went and spared him?' "'Murieta, and I came to tell you he wants to see you first thing.' "'Oh, come along. I'm impatient to see this rough customer who shan't slip me this time as before.' When the two returned to the gathering, they found the whole band seated around the fires which had been raked together and made again, and rejoicing over the victory so easily purchased. Wine was circulating anew, and the drinkers were more untiring in disposing of libations than before. The two prisoners, bound tightly with the red silk sashes of their captors, were lying on the ground, talking together most bitingly of their conquerors, and paying no attention to frequent threats for them to dry up. They were trying to hasten their execution. Friend Garcia began Joaquin, as soon as the three-fingered butcher had thrown himself down at ease on the grass. I want you and Savalio to draw lots to see who shall have the pleasure of killing one of these two. Which? The chief? asked Jack eagerly. No, the other. I mean to keep the principal for a few days. But he may escape, pleaded the Mexican. I may as well drive the nail into his chest. All laughed while the speaker drew out his knife, only half cleaned, and fixed his fiery gaze on the enemy. Ha ha! cried Arkansas tauntingly. Who's a scared? You dasn't give a man a fair sight. But you dirty yellow bellies. You greasers of Satan's kitchen. I'll take any three. Any five of you together. There. Puh, you cowardly mongrels. 
No, thundered Joaquin as Garcia offered to spring upon the defier. I say no. I have my reasons for sparing him. You must wait. Very well, I'll be satisfied with him. Let Savalio have his own way with the other. I don't feel that way inclined just now, anyhow. A low gasp was audible. Savalio had just drawn his knife across the throat of Arkansas's companion. A simple matter, remarked the slaughterer, returning to sit beside Garcia and have a bottle with him. Very simple indeed, added Valenzuela. Nothing could be more simple, but it was done with a relish that friend Jack must appreciate. Now, comrades, cried Antonio suddenly, let's have one song more. Why, we're all as stupid as gophers in the Sierra's snow. Are you asleep, every one of you? The lieutenant's desire was not answered. The copious draughts which the human casks had poured into themselves had taken the wits out of all heads, and four-fifths of the troop were sound asleep. The rest were not slow to follow the example, and the feast terminated in a chorus of snoring, which the seven sleepers of Ephesus might have envied. End of chapter 20